welcome to talc teaching and learning consultation skills this is the talc talks podcast helping everyone who sees patients to improve their consultation skills to get better outcomes and this approach can even increase your job satisfaction podcast I'm talking about the module skills for building relationships and in this chapter I'm talking about a difficult situation in other words how can you diffuse an angry situation gracefully all clinicians have to deal with angry patients sometimes patients may reserve their worst behavior for the administration staff and have sometimes calmed down by the time they get to see an actual clinician But on other occasions, patients vent their anger about delays or other problems in their care during a consultation. This means that all clinicians need some basic skills in being able to deal calmly with an angry person, diffusing the situation so that things can proceed towards attending to the patient's needs. Part of this skill lies in not taking the anger of someone else personally. Most of the reasons that underlie angry exchanges in healthcare situations are not directly about the individual health personnel involved. Anger can be brought into the room because of things going on in the patient's own life, or because of external factors like transport issues, or because the patient is frightened by things they perceive as threatening to their well-being or to their safety. Anger is a natural response to the distressing facts of pain, suffering, disease and death, as well as to the disappointment that can occur when, despite the best efforts of clinicians, an illness worsens or death threatens. We cannot relieve all suffering that we encounter, nor can we postpone death indefinitely. Clinicians accept these facts before many patients are able to do so. Clinicians may take one of several initial responses to an angry patient. They may simply try to ignore the anger, getting on with normal questions and explanations without exploring the anger further. This may mean that the patient feels disregarded, which is not helpful for clinical care. Secondly, clinicians may try to placate the angry person, agreeing with everything they say, or taking unnecessary responsibility for things which are in fact outside the clinician's control. Finally, of course, The clinician may start arguing with the patient, becoming infected by the anger and getting furious themselves. This is obviously rarely helpful and usually escalates conflict. We should note that exactly the same principles apply when we're dealing with angry colleagues. An approach based on empathy and understanding will almost always be more productive. The approach to an angry exchange described in this chapter focuses on the well-being of both parties and allows the clinician to remain present and helpful while detached enough to avoid taking the anger too personally. Anger is very catching, like anxiety is very catching. An angry patient who stalks into the room can make the clinician feel upset, tense or angry even before the patient actually says anything. The clinician needs to have enough self-awareness to recognise this happening and to realise that they themselves are not the angry party. This can help clinicians to remain calm. 
There is an analogy from a Buddhist verse which shows the risks of taking anger personally. The story goes something like this. What would you do if somebody threw a red hot ball of iron at you or a pile of smelly excreta? These things are like the anger someone sends your way. It is better not to catch the red hot metal nor pick up the excreta. Stand aside to let them fall. Obviously, that's sometimes easier said than done. After the missile has been sent and landed on the ground, it is then easier to look at it from a safe distance and to work out what needs to happen next. If the clinician knows that they're expecting to see an angry person, they should first ensure that the room layout is safe. For example, make sure there's a clear route to the door. If there's any concern about safety, or about whether the person coming to see you is intoxicated or armed, colleagues should be alerted and they should remain accessible nearby. A joint consultation with a colleague present could be considered, although care should be taken to assess whether this will simply inflame things further. Clinicians should know how to access panic buttons or other safety measures, although I would emphasise that these things are hardly ever required in primary care settings. A useful way of thinking about what to do once the conversation has started is something called the breathe approach. Breathe is a mnemonic which helps us to remind, helps to remind us of what to do and includes paying attention to the clinician's needs as well as to the patient's needs. B is for breathe and this should be the clinician's first action. Breathing calmly is grounding and also enables a pause for thought, which is almost always helpful in any tricky or angry situation. Paying attention to your breath creates a pause in which you can also note the support around you. This might be the floor, firm support of the chair or the floor, or the potential support of other colleagues close by. It's also an opportunity for clinicians to remind themselves that they are the professionals in the situation and that they have many skills which can help to diffuse the situation. The next letter of breathe is R and R reminds us to remember the humanity of everyone involved. When things are tense and angry, it can be easy to end up thinking only of one's own needs and wants and how unpleasant it is to be shouted at. Instead, be curious about the other person. What's going on for them? Ask the angry person to tell you more about what has made them angry, using active listening skills to indicate that you have understood and expressing empathy for their predicament. Being curious makes you less likely to behave in an angry or stressed way yourself and can make you less fearful. Be explicit as the clinician that you are keen to understand what has happened that has made them so angry. This will reduce your own adrenaline response, which makes it easier to make good decisions about how to respond. Showing empathy for how the person is feeling, using a soft and kindly tone of voice, speaking a little more slowly than they are, can help to demonstrate that you are interested in them as a person showing interest in their difficulty and what is happening to them from their point of view tends to calm things down. Most people do not remain angry for long if they're taken seriously. Use active listening skills to paraphrase and reflect back what the patient or person is saying 
so that they know clearly that they have been understood and taken seriously. The next letter in breathe is E. E is for empathise with what the angry person is saying to you. The clinician needs to listen, showing that the reality as the angry person sees it is accepted, even if it is not what the clinician is seeing. Empathy must become before explanations. And this means exploring the situation as the other person is experiencing it. The next letter in breathe is A. And A stands for asking first. What do they need from the situation now? Ask something like, what would you like me to do now to help the situation? Before embarking on any explanations or alternatives, which may simply fuel your disagreement. Ask if the other person is willing to hear a bit about what you have to say, or are they perhaps willing to hear about some suggestions, some possibilities, or some possible ways forward. When the patient expresses a willingness to hear some ideas about what could happen next, then is the time to make suggestions or give explanations. Pause regularly to ask for the other person's responses and thoughts and use these to guide what could happen next. Breathe ends with TH, th. This stands for feeling the ground. It helps to stay in contact with everything that is supporting you. The floor, the walls around, the presence of colleagues nearby, the options that you have to offer, the skills that you've acquired. All the relationship building skills and active listening skills outlined in the TALP materials will come in useful with angry encounters. Particularly, Think about the skills in effective relationship building and skills for effective information gathering. Particularly, can reading between the lines make for a more accurate diagnosis? And what difference does a patient's thoughts, concerns and hopes really make? The clinician will usually find that a calm and methodical breathe approach will help to settle the discussion into a more productive direction. However, it is important for clinicians to remain alert to signs that this is not happening as expected. This could indicate an abnormal state of mind in the patient, who might be psychotic and therefore extremely fearful and frightened, for example. Similarly, it may become apparent that the patient is intoxicated or has a weapon. In those circumstances, the clinician should calmly leave the room and get help from other people. Paradoxically, Patients may report very good levels of satisfaction after what has seemed to a clinician to be a tense, angry or difficult encounter. This can be because when conflicts of opinion have been aired openly and respectfully listened to, even if the clinician and patient disagree, the patient feels more attended to. The process of being properly listened to and concerns taken on board actually makes for a more effective relationship overall even if there are some angry or tense moments to deal with. Reading the materials in this chapter will help you to find some ways to practice these skills in encounters away from patients. And it's well worth doing this. Simulations, such as the ones we do for CPR, are really good ways to learn some skills. This podcast was brought to you by NHS Professional Educators, making training available to all.